Can changing your corner of the universe change the world? We think so. You've heard the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. But what does that look like? This is where we meet the people that are walking that out. One person, one idea, one decision at a time. Here's Baden and Rex. All right, welcome back to another episode of My Corner of the Universe. Today we had joining us Linda Nowak, author of Never Skip a Beat. What I love about Linda's story is she, at a very young age, got diagnosed with a heart condition, kind of a mystery illness that caused this heart condition. And, um, you know, in your early teenage years and teenage years, it was a huge setback for her. But at one point in her life, she kind of had an epiphany and she decided to change everything. And from then on out, uh, she hasn't let her slow her down, and now she's written a book to help other people that are either going through similar situations or maybe just other, you know, depression or physical setbacks of their own. And I know that a lot of people are going to get something out of this because she has a lot of uh, great insight into just how we should live our lives. So hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome to another episode of My Corner of the Universe. Today we have Linda Nowak joining us from, uh, is it Alberta? Is that where you're at? Yes. Lethbridge, right. Alberta. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. So tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, you were diagnosed with a heart issue at an early age. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Actually, at the age of 12, I had a flu virus attack my heart, which put me into cardiac arrest. And um, it led to an enlarged heart. And I'm currently 100% dependent on a heart device. Wow. So a virus got into yes. your heart. I've never yes. heard of that before. Neither had they. <laughs> it was just a freak thing. Yeah. Okay. And so at that point, um, you were revived at a hospital. What did that look like? I was actually at home and I was taken into emergency. And that's when they found my pulse was dipping down to 30 beats a minute. And then they transported me from Lethbridge to Calgary, which is two hours north. It's a bigger city. Okay. More capable of handling. Um, I was kept up there three weeks, went through a battery of tests, and they performed open heart exploratory surgery because at that point in time, they didn't know what was happening with my heart. So they did open heart exploratory surgery and they found structure wise, my heart was perfect. But they said that electrically wise, it, it's almost like when there's a short in your car engine mm -hmm. and it doesn't fire. So they, to this day, they've called it the question mark. They're not a hundred percent. So they have determined that there must've been some sort of virus that caused the heart muscle to weaken. So, so you're a one of a kind. Un unfortunately, yes, I guess, because it's kind of hard when they have a diagnosis that they can't put a name to. Right. Right. So you're 12 years old. You probably have a lot of fear, not knowing what's going on, your parents as well. Right. right. Yeah. It was a dominating factor of my life for sure. Yeah. And so at that point, did they put a pacemaker in? They put a demand pacemaker in, and um, I lit lived a very limited lifestyle because the pacemaker would only go 72 beats a minute. So I wasn't able to ride bikes, play sports, go swimming, because oh my if my heart went over 72 beats a minute, I would pass out. So, so from wow. 12 to 19, I lived a very limited lifestyle. Oh my gosh. And so at 19, that was an upgrade in the pacemaker? Yeah, I got a dual chamber, which a dual chamber pacemaker allows the heart to go no lower than 60 and no higher than 150. So 
it was like I had to readjust my whole life of living with a elevated heart rate again. It was actually kind of freaky at first because you're, it's almost like when you're so used to something and then all of a sudden you're, it's like when the gates are left open and all of a sudden you can feel your heart increase and you're like, Oh my gosh, what's happening. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's, I can't even really fathom what that would be like just having, uh, as a child, were you more sheltered because of that or? Yes, absolutely. Very, very sheltered life. Right. Okay. And then, so, um, you know, reading, you know, kind of the, um, the back of your book at age 22, you had a big shift. Talk about that. I did. Okay. Um, I think once I got out of my parents' house, cause my parents were very, um, protective, right. Which you can't blame them, but at the same time didn't allow me to do and try new things. So then my girlfriend was a step aerobics instructor and I went to a couple of her classes and I went to the back and I started pushing my limits to see what I was capable of. And then I would do one class, another class. And before I knew it, I was becoming an aerobics instructor. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> I took all the training and I started teaching and then I had a son and then my son went to karate and while he was in karate, I would teach aerobic classes And so it just kind of bloomed from there is because when I started having these little doors open and see what the possibilities were, it's just like the more possibilities you see, the more, the more, right, right, right. right. So, um, at that point you, as an aerobics instructor, did you have other, I see that you're also a business owner. Were you also a business owner at that time? Or no, that actually, I worked at our real estate office and okay. I started off as a secretary and then I managed it for a while. And then I went and did banking and then I owned a cleaning business. Well, then after from the real, one of the real estate offices, um, I did take some business courses Um, and I started doing books and stuff. So I went and worked for a local hair salon doing books and reception and answering the phone. And then I started getting into a bit of the aesthetics and loved it. But then I got pregnant with my daughter. And so I ran a cleaning business for 15 years. It allowed me the freedom to come and go and set my hours. And then um, in 2007, I had some something shift in my heart again. They're not quite sure what, but I started going into dangerous heart rhythms. Mm. So I now am fit for an ICD device. So in 2007, I ended up getting an infection and it had four heart surgeries over like, I think a 17 month period. Oh my gosh. And um, I had to get out of the cleaning because it was just kind of hard on my body. And I had this uh. opportunity presented to me to go and work at uh, an aesthetic spa so I went to Calgary, did some training, bought the spa because the owner's husband got transferred out of town. So ended up buying the spa with <laughs> no clientele <laughs> wow. and just went for it. And leap of I've, faith. I've grown it now to, I have two locations and 22 staff. So, yeah. So talk about that. So you went from, I mean, it sounds like you've kind of been an entrepreneur for a long time. Yeah. But but that was probably a big step to all of a sudden having employees and... Well, it was a definite terror barrier I had to cross. I because, bet. You know, I bought a business with no clientele and sat there and didn't even have enough 
clientele to pay the rent on the building. And I just sat there and persevered and persevered and advertised and tried new things. And um, some of the lady who left, some of her clientele would come to me and try me out and someone. So you do a really good job, give really good customer service. Um, Let people leave with a sense of increase, right? Right. Um, And it just, it worked. It worked, you know. And that's a, a real leap of faith from the get-go. I mean, uh, yeah. I imagine. But I just knew I could do it. Okay. So th- there was some, yeah, there was some inner feeling you just knew, like, I can make this I just, happen. I can make this work. And I still, you know, it's like I get an idea, just like I had three or four people approach me about coming to join my spa. Well, my spa where I was didn't have enough floor space. So then I started looking. I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to find a bigger building. And then when I went and looked for a bigger building, like rent was ridiculous. Like the, you know, so then I thought, well, why don't I get two smaller buildings? Because then it would be cheaper than one big building. And I'll open an aesthetics hair removal side and I'll move in a, and do one side, do this and one side specialize in this. And then once the idea started coming, I started looking for a building and the building was just there. It was there. Right. Right. Like, I mean, opportunity presents itself when you start looking for it. Right. You know, so, um, yeah. And then here I was six months later in a new building. So at this point is your, uh, your post the four surgeries that you just talked about mm-hmm. and did they have to upgrade the pacemaker again at that point? It was like, I have an uh, internal defibrillator slash pacemaker. It's a double unit. So it shocks me when I go into dangerous heart rhythm. So oh. I've had two episodes of what they call ventricle tachycardia, where my heart goes about 220 beats a minute and it shocks you. It's like oh getting gosh. kicked by a horse. <laughs> holy so, holy! But it did save my life. I had two episodes last year oh and gosh. both were done when I was at the gym. <laughs> so I've had to change my workout regimen a little bit. So, so, you know, hearts a muscle, things change, things shift, right? Right. So I just have to learn how to readjust. And I have, I've just started not doing weightlifting anymore, uh, not doing the high interval training that I was doing. I'm doing more Pilates. I love Pilates. Okay. I'm doing more yoga style work. Um, meditation is really good. Right. You know? um, I've just, I'm in my mid fifties now. So I've just, you know, when your body changes, you've just got to adjust and go with the, go with it. Caliber. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I love this. I mean, I think a lot of people in your condition would, would use those as setbacks and they maybe wouldn't work out at all. I mean, the fact that you're going to the gym and doing all these different things, I, I got to imagine is inspiring for people that are suffering, maybe not even from something to do with the heart, but some kind of physical setback. And for you, you're just continuing to go on and live, you know, your normal life, which I love. That's awesome. Well, and that was the whole reason for the book was um, I got invited to a talk of people living with heart devices in Calgary uh, two years ago in June. And I went to this, and there's 500 and some people in this room, and there are medical professionals and all people and their families who have heart devices. And to tell you the truth, I was in actual shock of how people lived. Like they just live in fear. They live in, uh, they're not willing. I had one lady in her 30s who got up in the morning, had breakfast, laid on the couch all day. She was afraid to do anything. Mm, so, fear, yeah. So fear 
is that dominating factor and they're not. So I kind of put some steps inside my book of different steps that I took to help me. And so if it helps one person, I've, it's done the purpose, right? Totally. So, yeah. And, and so, so you went to this, you know, uh, what is a heart seminar or basically just, it was a a seminar that was put on by a Dr. Steven Sears. He's uh, from the South Carolina Institute of university. He's a clinical psychologist for people living with heart devices. And he came and did a talk and I was, I had the privilege of being able, my doctor in Calgary had connected us and I was able to kind of do almost like a talk with him. Okay. So like a Q and a type of thing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. But people didn't believe they thought, Oh, your condition can't be as bad as mine. So when they actually did speak and mention what my numbers were, like what my MUGA scan was, which explains the ejection fraction, the efficiency of the heart. I think a lot of people were taken back because I mean, like I water ski, I rock, I've rock climbed. I, I'm very active. Amazing. Right? Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So at that point you come back from this event and you're like, more people need to be doing what they can. And so you're, I want to write a book. What, what did that look like? Well, I had a branding company approach me. Okay. And I had um, different companies approach me because there was different media people there. And they said, you really need to get your story out and stuff. And then I started searching for different companies that could help me write my story and stuff. And that's where it led Okay. And so did you land on like a mentorship type of company? What did that? Yeah. Celebrity authors is who I used. Okay. And they helped me put my book together. Yeah. And so was that a self-published book? Yes. Um, talk about the process of writing a book. I take it that was your first book, correct? It was. Um, I met with these people. Um, we did it chapter by chapter. They helped put it in an orderly fashion. Um, they had a person that it was all sent to for final editing and stuff. So uh, we would meet once or twice a week via Zoom calls. Okay. And it was our Zoom calls. And yeah, they, har- they helped me put it together start to finish. Okay. And so you're actually um, writing the book versus like dictating it to them. Is that correct? Well, they actually helped me write the book. They had somebody helping me write the book. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so at that point, you it's all edited. And then do they help facilitate the actual distribution and promotion of the book? Yes. Yes, okay. they did. Not the promotion so much like the promotion has been up to me. So I, ha- unfortunately, Linda and I lost connection. And when we are able to reconnect, the recording doesn't quite pick up where Linda left off. So uh, just have to bear with us as we kind of jump forward to the next question. So um, you, you touched on something a second ago and, that was when you were writing your book, did, was it a form of therapy in, in some sense for you? It was a form of release. Okay. Because I had a lot of deep rooted issues that I didn't even believe because actually when I was finished reading a couple of my chapters, I had some heavy duty sobbing episodes mm. and it was actually cleansing. It really was because um, I was bullied quite a bit in school when I got back because oh. junior high is not a good time to miss two months of school and come back. It's like you have this big neon sign on your head that says you're different. So when you had to sit out in gym class and you had scars all over your body 
and pacemakers were big in the day. And I was very, I was a tiny little girl and I had this big metal box in my stomach, right? Mm. I couldn't wear the stylish jeans and the little crop tops and the stuff that all the other girls were wearing. And I had to overcome not just the physical pain, but the emotional pain from it, right? So, and I think sometimes the emotional scarring was worse, to be quite honest. Oh, I'm sure. So, because I did, I wanted to switch schools. I wanted to go where somebody knew nothing about me. And my parents made me persevere and, and grow from it, right? Mm, that's good. So, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of times there's unexpected gifts when we do something. And I imagine that that cleansing, that healing was an unexpected gift for you. Yeah. Like I just, I, I used to wake up all the time and check my pulse and make sure my pulse was okay. And, and if I'd run up the stairs too quick, I was like, Oh, Oh, you know, like there was always a little bit of panic I lived with Mm. and it totally controlled my life. And, um, I feel free of that now. I feel free of that. I, I, I think sometimes when you write things down, like I wrote things down that I feared about. I did this exercise where I wrote all my fears and all that stuff and I burnt it. Mm. I burnt that piece of paper and I let those fears. And that was a really good exercise for me. Some people may think that's crazy, but it was an exercise that was really good for me. Um, lot, I, I spend a lot of time in nature. My element is wood. All right. And, um, I love, like, I'm at my cabin in Montana right now. Um, I come here to recharge, even if it's only for a night. It's three hours away from my house, and it's a recharge place for me, right? Awesome. I'm That's in the great. forest, and I'll take my dogs. Uh, pets are great therapy. Everybody right. should have a pet who's going yeah. through anything, they should have a pet. <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing how much pets can really have impact. Uh, where I'm at here in Chico, we, we had a big natural disaster with a fire last year. And, um, you know, we've had uh, therapy dogs come through where I work. And, and, you know, it's amazing how just being around an animal can brighten people up. So where I 100% agree. Well, so I'm in Chico, California. So last year there was the Paradise Fire, which was yes. the campfire. So, yeah, yes. right. Basically, we're the town right next to Paradise. Wow. So, you know. The the Disaster. impact of, of pets can, you know, be huge. Animals in general, and then it's nature. They say how important it is to get out in nature. So uh, yeah. kudos for recognizing that because so many people don't. We're, we live such busy lives, and we're out on the go. And well, people don't slow themselves down enough to actually listen to themselves. And meditation is huge. Now, when what I- type of meditation uh, do you do? I just do 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes at night. I go and find a quiet space. I first started out with guided meditations from different ones I found on the internet. Um, And then I've just really learned how to calm my breathing and calm and listen, listen to myself. Right. Right. So, I mean, I, have, I'm a normal human being like everyone else. And I have my days where I'm totally rattled. And sometimes I have to give myself a timeout and go in my room <laughs> at the spa and I'll just quiet my mind or take five minutes between a client because like I do work 50 to 60 hours a week. So, um, but without it, like, uh, and I, I do a lot more self care. I think people, I had to learn to love myself because I don't think I loved myself enough. Like mm. I didn't want to be me. Does that make sense? I, I wish 
so many, many times that I wasn't me and I didn't have this and why me? You go through that victim paradigm of why this? Why did that have to be me? Why, why did I not have a body where I could look good in a bikini? Like silly, stupid things like that. Right. And then good things for me to do was uh, walk through an oncology unit in a children's hospital mm. and remind myself of how lucky I really am. Or, right. you know, you always, you always have blessings. You just have to look for them, right? So true. Yeah. So if people are listening to this and they're like, hey, I want to get this book, how do people do that? Amazon. Okay. Or email me. Okay. So yeah, that was my next question. So the name of the book is Never Skip a Beat. Right. And um, it's sold on Amazon. Is it sold in any other stores that people might be able to? No, it's sold on online right now. Okay. Right? I mean. Um, and if people want to get in contact with you, is there social media or websites? Yes, that I'm on with? Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, both my business and personally, I'm on there. My business is Wax Me Limited. Um, and then also I've got my email, which I could leave with you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Like um, email is probably one of the biggest. That's how these other people, actually these other people from New York found me on Instagram because I had promoted my book through Instagram. Okay. And um, they had messaged me through Instagram, sent me their address and I mailed a book out to them. That's awesome. Yeah. So, once again, you know, just kudos for you taking action. There's so much that we can all do in our own individual little corner of the universe. And there for is. you, you're making a difference, not only in where you're at physically, but, you know, you're starting to have outreach from the book. How, how long has it been out now? Um, th- just a little over, this is my second year we're going into now. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and for the future, it sounds like some sort of public speaking. Or what does that look like? I would love to do platform talks for people that are struggling with depression, people that are struggling, don't know where to get started. My ultimate goal is to work with the Heart Fund to create, because when I got shocked with my device, um, I got sent to one of those rehabilitation groups, you know, where they Mm. send you to, it's almost like when you suffer stress disorder after, because I felt like after I got a shock, I was just so rattled that I was afraid again. I went right back to square one because now I just had something brand new happen to me that never happened to me. But yet in some ways, here's the blessing I took out of it. Now I can relate to these people that have devices that shock them. Mm. Without a shock, how could I understand what they were going through, right? right? So I got the shock. I understand. They sent me to the group. I sat with a bunch of people who had had devices and had shocks. They proceeded to tell me how my life was over because once you get one shock, (laughs) you're going to get one after another after another. And I actually left there so depressed, so depressed. And then so my goal would be to start a self-help group for people that are experiencing that and show them you do not have to live in this fear. Like you – you just have to find different ways of doing, you know, if you look differently at things, things change, right? Yes. Perspective. Perspectives, right? Yes. And people live in this, like, I love conventional medicine. I would not be alive without it. Right. But people are afraid to color outside the lines, right? Mm. 
And I would love to show them how to color outside the lines without disobeying doctor's orders because you can do that. And I'm blessed because I've got an amazing electrophysiologist in Calgary who allows me to have that freedom to explore options. Like I've been listening to a video that I think everyone should listen to. And I love Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden. Um, they really talk about the heart-brain connection. Yeah, heart math. I asked my doctor when I got shocked, he felt that there was so much scar tissue in my heart that it wasn't getting a clear pathway that the signal was just circling at the bottom of the heart, not getting through where the heart like pumps, boom, 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 boom. And there was a blockage. And I says, well, can I create a new neural pathway in my heart? (laughs) And he looks at me and he goes, Linda, the mind is a powerful tool, but do what you got to do. So I have been listening to this podcast for probably eight, nine months now on creating new neural pathways. Awesome. And I've had no heart issues since. So I'm a believer. I'm a believer that your mind can make things happen. And what's that podcast? It is Greg Braden's A Heart Brain Connection. Okay, great. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Well, you've just been an absolute pleasure. And I know that people are going to be uh, inspired by what you're doing. But also, I know there's people out there that you're still yet to help. I just definitely see you helping a lot more people. So I will. um, That's not a hope. Hope isn't the word I want to use. I will. I want to. That's my goal. That's awesome. Okay, so thank you so much. I can't wait to hear what's in store for you because I know there's more. And Um, thank you so much for coming on my corner of the universe and thank you for connecting with me it was a pleasure if you liked today's episode you can find more information at mycorneroftheuniverse.com and don't forget to subscribe thank you